Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. Today we're going to be going back to an older uh, program. Uh, The program that we're going to be covering today is Marriage and Mortals in the Kingdom, Chapter 12 of The Kingdom of God, Volume 2, pages 91 through 96. We're going to listen to the reader program first, which is about 14 minutes long, and then we'll get into the commentary. Thank you for listening. Marriage and Morals in the Kingdom, Chapter 12 of Kingdom of God, Volume 2, pages 91-96. When the gospel of the Son of God is introduced among the children of men, it comes with light and intelligence, with pure and holy principles. It embraces all morality, all virtue, all light, all intelligence, all greatness, and all goodness. Journal of Discourses Spiritual Laws, like mathematical, scientific and chemical laws, do not change with time, conditions or the whims of men. There are subsequent blessings for obedience and punishments for disobedience. The Apostle Paul said that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Jesus also made it very clear when he said man shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That schoolmaster still continues. Moral laws are just as eternal, everlasting and unchangeable as any other laws of God. Moses, considered to be a great lawgiver, delivered to the Israelites a myriad of laws and commandments covering every conceivable phase of morality. For example, marriage to Canaanites Jude. 7, 3, mothers to sons Lev. 18, 7, men to daughters Lev. 18, 7, men to iron sex. 6, 20, num. 26, 59, Sisters and brothers Lev. 2017 21, priests to harlots Lev. 21 7, priests to divorced women Lev. 21 7, captured women as wives Num. 31 17 18, woman to two husbands Jude. 22 22, priests to widows Lev. 21.13, who raped girl Jude. 22.29, marriage within tribes X. 34.11-16, military marriage exemptions Jude. 27.24.5, dowries X. 22.16, 
firstborn eggs. 1315, widows in a family live. 2213, proof of virginity Jude. 22, 13-21, carnal slave girls live. 1920, privy member cut off Jude. 23, 1, betrothal promises Jude. 20, 7, brothers-in-law Jude. 25, 7-10, family property Jude. 21, 17, widow's welfare Jude. 10, 18, adultery lev. 2010, circumcision X. 1248-49, men's wounded stones Jude. 23, 1, lying with beasts lev. 1823, lying about virginity Jude. 22, 20-21, midwives X. 116, Hordum Lev. 20, 4-5, Nakedness Lev. 2017, Rape Jude. 22, 25, Fornication Jude. 22, 23-24, etc., etc., etc. Some of the chief concerns of today's Christians involve marriage laws. Most of our laws today are based on Roman law rather than Mosaic. Because of misunderstandings, many of the laws God gave to Moses are considered archaic. But Jesus explained, Think not that I am come to destroy the law, or the prophets, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Yet, the Christians today think you did away with many of the laws of Moses, and they choose to disregard the dead prophets. One of the marriage laws of Abraham and Moses has caused Americans and even Mormons considerable confusion and controversy. This was the issue of having more than one wife. With all of these laws of morality and marriage, certainly God and Moses must have said something on the matter of plural marriage. Moses gave us over 35 laws pertaining to sex and marriage, plus some that supported the doctrine of plural marriage, such as 1. If he takes another wife, she must have the same amount of food, raiment, and duties the same as the first wife. 2. The rights of both wives and sons must be the same. 3. If a man has two wives, one liked and the other not so well liked, he must acknowledge the inheritances of the firstborn son even if it is the second wife's son. 4. If a man takes a plural wife as a captive and later finds that she is not compatible, he cannot sell her, and she is free to leave. 5. If a man lay with a virgin woman, he shall not put her away all the days of his life. This applied to single, married or plural married men. See Jacob with Leah, Genesis 29, 23-25. 6. If a man should die, his brother should take her as a wife, even if he is married. 7. If a man takes captive a beautiful woman, 
he can bring her home to thine house, and she can become his wife, even if he is a wife. 8. When men go to war, all the women and children they capture they may keep alive for yourselves. Nearly every soldier was a married man. 9. If a woman had intercourse with different men, she was considered an adulteress and the child born was a bastard, but nowhere was a child born of a woman in plural marriage considered the same. 10. Marriage between national leaders was a bond connecting their political peace agreements and their kings. If God did not want his people to live plural marriage, he made a pitiful attempt to stop it. If he objected to plural marriage, he never would have instituted such laws as these to encourage it. People have a tendency to follow the crowd. Whatever is socially popular will draw people to it, for who wants to be different and unpopular? There are some, however, who know what is right and will oppose incorrect customs even though they are popular. Brigham Young commented on this. Oh. What a great sorrow it is to be a saint. How mournful the thought, when we contemplate the contrast between the saint and the sinner. We have ease for pain, comfortable health for sickness, joy for mourning and light for darkness. This is all very good, says one, but your religion is so unpopular in the world. There is not another religion so popular as this in the courts of heaven. Without the garb of a saint you cannot be admitted to the presence of the Father, and the Jesus, the mediator between God and man. No religion is popular there, but the religion of the Bible. Episcopalianism, Methodism, Quakerism, Catholicism, Presbyterianism, and all their collateral branches are unpopular in the celestial kingdom of God, while the religion of Adam, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs and prophets, Jesus and his apostles, is the only acknowledged and popular system of religion with the sanctified ones in the presence of the Father and the Son. But, says a Presbyterian, Abraham was a polygamist. He was. And you say that his religion is popular in heaven. It is the only religion acknowledged there. I have not time now to dwell upon all the points of Abraham's faith, but he did believe in a plurality of wives, and was a practical polygamist. And Paul says, and if you'll be Christ then are you Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Did Abraham believe in Presbyterianism? Not much. Did he believe in Quakerism? Not much. Each of the different sects of religion has some truth, and so far as they have the truth, so far did Abraham believe. But is the religion of any one of the sects, as a whole, the religion of heaven? It is not. We all desire to join the popular party. Light, truth, and intelligence are the side that is popular with the heavens, and the side that will rule, govern and control the nations. If we join that society, we then all become popular with the popular party. 
Journal of Discourses Jesus made an interesting, but controversial, statement about those who were in the kingdom. Said he, And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How can many come and be worthy to sit with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and yet the children of the kingdom be cast out? Shouldn't it be the other way around? What did the others do that the children of the kingdom failed to do? Maybe the answer can be found in more recent scriptures. Go ye, therefore, and do the works of Abraham. Enter into my law and ye shall be saved. But if he enter not into my law he cannot receive the promise of my father, which he made unto Abraham. God commanded Abraham, and Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham to wife. And why did she do it? Because it was the Lord, and from Hagar sprang many people. This, therefore, was fulfilling, among other things, the promises. Thus, if we obey the law, we receive the promises. If we disobey the law, we cannot receive the promises made to Abraham, and we shall be cast out. These were the laws of God. Marriage laws in the days of Abraham were the same as in the days of Moses. They were also the same in the days of Jesus Christ, and they should be the same in the days of Bill Clinton, whether or not he agrees. But he wouldn't agree because his lifestyle would have condemned him to be stoned to death. These laws of morality remain unchangeable and eternal, even though marriage laws of man often change. Marriage laws may vary in Germany, England, Arabia, USA, etc., and even within the same country they may vary, that is, a marriage law in the United States may be legal in 1846 but change in 1862. However, God's laws remain constant even though the laws of man are fickle and continually changing. The laws of God's kingdom are the same today as they were 2,000 years ago or even 6,000 years ago. They were the same throughout the universe billions of years ago, and they will be the same for billions of years to come. The kingdom of God and its laws, ordinances and covenants are constant because God is unchangeable. If he were not, he would cease to be God. Chapter 13 Commandments of the Kingdom Marriage and Morals in the Kingdom, Chapter 12 of Kingdom of God, Volume 2, pages 91 to 96. When the gospel of the Son of God is introduced among the children of men, it comes with light and intelligence, with pure and holy principles, and embraces all morality, all virtue, all light, all intelligence, all greatness, and all goodness. End quote. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, volume 11, verse, or page 235. 
Spiritual laws like mathematical, scientific, and uh, chemical laws do not change with time, conditions, or with the, with it, or with the whims of men. They are subse- subsequent. Sorry, there are subsequent blessings for obedience and punishments for disobedience or curses. See, the, the gospel can be a blessing to you or it can be a cursing to you. That's your choice. It, it depends on how you take the gospel or whether you take it seriously or not. Anyway, the Apostle Paul said that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Jesus also made it very clear when he said, Men shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. And where do we get the Torah from? The mouth of God. We should live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Like Jesus said, not one jot or tittle will be done away uh, from the Torah until all things are, are all, all things are fulfilled. And as I look around today, I don't see a, a sea of fire and glass. You know, in Revelations it talks about that, but it's still applicable. The curse of the law has been done away with in Christ. He took the curse of the, of the law for all they who would accept and follow his commandments. And, you know, he gave the commandments from, Torah, from Sinai. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, what are his commandments? Everything that he taught comes from the Tanakh or the Old Testament. He lived the law perfectly as an example of how we should live. That schoolmaster, that schoolmaster still continues. Moral laws are just as eternal, everlasting, and unchangeable as any other laws of God. Moses considered to be, Moses considered to be a great lawgiver, delivered to the Israelites a myriad of laws and commandments covering every conceivable phase of mortality. For example, marriage to Canaanites. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3, are prohibiting marriage to Canaanites, okay? Prohibiting marriage of mothers to sons, Leviticus 18, verse 7. Prohibiting marriage of, of fathers to daughters, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 7. Prohibiting um, people like marrying their aunts. That's Exodus 6.20 and Numbers 26.59. Prohibiting the marriage of sisters to brothers, Leviticus 20, verse 17 through 21. And let me just say, okay, for all of you people out there that are like, all the law is done away with, we don't have to worry about anything because we're saved by grace. You know, like, just throughout the whole book of James, for one. But, hey, if the, if the Torah is nailed to the cross, why can't I marry my sister or my aunt or my daughter? You know, like, which parts of the law are you going to, uh, to cherry pick from? All right? Uh, it's, it's forbidden for priests to marry harlots. Leviticus 21, verse 7. It's forbidden for priests to divorce women. It should, I think it's against... God's 
will that any divorce happens. But anyway, Leviticus 21, verse 7. Captured as, um, oh, I can't, oh, wait. Captured women as wives. Oh, yeah. I, so it's given me like a bullet point, and I'm just kind of going off my memory. But this one says captured women as wives. Actually, they have the right to to marry the person that captured or captured them. I guess I'm not exactly sure, but they they were, they were given free agency to leave. Um, women to two husbands. Deuteronomy 22 verse 22. I'm going to go take a look at that one because I I want to what in the world they are talking about because there is a provision in section 132 for uh for women to have multiple husbands hold on here okay my wife is now on the line uh we're on the radio show and you know that i was going to do it so i I didn't know you were going to be so quick um i was just going to ask you about um some drinks because I'm just going to grab some here. So that's okay. They've got them on sale for your for 12 packs, so I'm going to get them here. Okay. But I didn't know if you wanted, like, cherry Coca-Cola Zero or something. I just need diet something or other. It doesn't matter to me. Oh, hold on here. That was my wife. Oh, let's see. Okay, so uh, Deuteronomy 22, verse 22. Uh, Deuteronomy 22. Anyway, what, what I was saying is that there's a provision. Uh, there's a provision for polyandry, which is the marriage of, of one, hu- or one wife to two husbands. And in order for God not to break his law when he consummated or when he impregnated Miriam or Mary for Jesus, um, well, Mary was already married to Joseph. So, or she was betrothed to him, same thing, pretty much. So anyway, um, this is Deuteronomy, or Deuteronomy 22, verse 22. If a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shall thou put away evil from Israel. If a damsel that is a virgin is betrothed to an husband, and a man finds her in the city and lie with her, then ye shall bring them both unto the gate of the city, and ye shall stone them with stones that they may die. The damsel, because she cried not, being in the city, and the man, because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife, so thou shalt put away evil from among you. So, well, let me just finish this. 
But if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field and the man forces her or rapes her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. But the damsel thou shalt do nothing. There is in the damsel no sin worthy of death. For if, for as when a man riseth against his neighbor and slayeth him, even so this is, even so is this matter. Okay, all right. All right, let me just get back to the, the reading here. All right, uh, priests shall not marry widows, Leviticus 21, verse 13. Uh, oh, here's another one that's interesting. I'm going to read it. It's uh, Deuteronomy 22, verse 29, so already in 22. So. And then the man that lay with her, let's see, if a man find... A damsel that is a virgin, which is not betrothed, and lay with her, and lie with her, and they be found, then the man, <clears throat> then the man that lay with her shall give unto the damsel's father fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife, because he hath humbled her. He may not put her away all his days, so he's not allowed to divorce her if he does that in that way. A man shall not take his father's wife nor discover his father's skirt. Skirts. All right, let's see here. I'm just going to skip all this. Because a lot of the, it's, um, in the book it gives a ton of different things, but it doesn't, like, say what they are, and I'm not going to go through them all. So, let's see here. Anyway, but uh, if you want to see the list, you can go to facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977, or you can read uh, Ogden's books at com, and click on read Ogden's books and then scroll down to uh, Kingdom of God, Volume 2. All right, continuing on. Some of the chief concerns of today's Christians involve marriage laws. Most of our laws today are based on Roman law rather than the Mosaic law. Because of the misunderstanding, many of the laws of God, many of the laws God gave to Moses are considered archaic. We're on page 93 for those of you following along. But Jesus explained, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the Torah, or the prophets, so the Ketuvim or the Nevi'im. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And what does it mean to fulfill? It means to live perfectly. In Hebrew, this phrase right here, it means that he lived the law of God or the Torah, the instructions of God perfectly. When, when a rabbi says you are fulfilling the Torah, it means you are living it perfectly. That's a thing, okay? Matthew, that's Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Yet the Christians of today think he did away with many of the laws of Moses, and they choose to disregard the dead prophets. <clears throat> Let me just say also, the church was placed under condemnation in 1832 while they were in Kirtland. There was two main reasons why they were placed under condemnation. First, because they treated the Book of Mormon lightly, and second, because they treated 
the former commandments lightly or they would not live it. Okay, my friend Neil is sitting here shaking his head at me. Neil, what did you have to say? No, that was that was Nauvoo. He says that Temple is the reason they were conversed. But in section um in 1832, it says that they are placed under condemnation for treating the, the New and Everlasting Covenant lightly, the Book of Mormon lightly, and... Oh, okay. He says it's because they didn't build the temple. And that did happen in Nauvoo. But he's saying it happened in Kirtland, too. Okay. One of the marriage laws of Abraham and Moses had caused Americans and even Mormons considerable confusion and controversy. That's because people don't know the Torah. This was the issue of having more than one wife. With all of these laws of morality and marriage, certainly God and Moses must have said something on the matter of plural marriage. And let me just say, <clears throat> I did a series of videos about polygamy in the Torah and God gives instructions as to when polygamy should be lived and how it should be lived and how you should treat your wives and what you have to do. Okay, this whole thing with Brigham Young taking 30 or 40 wives, that he wasn't able to do his law as a husband. He, he broke the, the commandments of God because in order to take more than one wife, there's like several different... Okay, so if you're... If my brother had a wife and he died before she was able to conceive and bear him children, under Torah law, it would be my responsibility to take her as my wife, even if I have a wife, and to bear uh, children, to impregnate her so that she could bear children to his name. So even though they were my children, they would be considered my brother's children. And my brother's wife would become my wife for that responsibility that is in the Torah. Uh, also in the Torah, we are given instruction that if you take a second wife, hold on, what is that green thing? Uh -huh. Give it to me, you thief. It is not junk. This goes to my thing that I wash my windshield off with. <laughs> anyway, um, Okay, so provision for taking more than one wife in the Torah. In order for me to justly treat my wives right, I must provide for her uh, shelter. I've got to have a place for her to live and for her children to live. I have to clothe and feed them. And I also have to perform the, do, the marriage duties of a husband, which is to lay with her sexually. Now, if David and Solomon could lay with all of their hundreds and hundreds of wives every week or month or day or year, whatever, then, like, I guess they could keep the law. But they actually were breaking the law because in order for me to have more than one wife, i got to make sure that I am taking care of their their mental, spiritual, and sexual needs. So, and that's in the Torah. All right, so let's see. And and I actually went over all of the, the Torah laws. I think it's 
So it's at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash God is my compass. The channel name is Fundamentally Mormon. And I think I, I, it's three videos over the course of three hours and 33 minutes, which is kind of funny because I didn't, I didn't plan it to be three hours and 33 minutes over three videos. That's just kind of the way it happened. But uh, if you want to get more in depth into these things, then you can go check out that video on YouTube, that Fundamentally Mormon. So, all right, let's see. With all these laws and morality, oh, I already read that part. I'll read it again. With all these laws of morality and marriage, certainly God and Moses must have said something on the matter of plural marriage. God gives, or God gave us over 35 laws pertaining to sex and marriage, plus some that supported the doctrine of plural marriage, such as, quote, if he takes another wife, she must have the same amount of food, raiment, and duties as the same as the first wife. Okay, that's Exodus chapter 21, verse 10. The right of both wives and sons must be the same. Deuteronomy 21, verse 16. If a man has two wives, one liked and the other not so well liked, he must acknowledge the inheritance of the first, bu or first son, even if, if it is with the second wife's son. So, that, so if he marries a wife, the wife that he loves, and then he marries another wife, and that second wife has the firstborn, then the right of the firstborn still goes to the right of the firstborn, even if the, the first wife is more beloved. All right? All right, four. If a man takes a plural wife as a captive and later finds she is not compatible, he cannot sell her. She is free to leave. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 14. So if, um, if well, basically they went out and, and uh, oh, soldiers would uh, do what soldiers do when they were in war. And, and uh, I think that would be when um, uh a man would take a, a second wife as a uh, a captive, I guess. But um, if they're not compatible, he cannot sell her. She is free to leave. Ugh, I hate all this stuff. So uh, real quick, I'm just going to break away from this for just a minute. Now, we need, as individuals, find out which laws are right and which interpretation of Scripture is right. Um, I have a problem with the Torah simply because in the book of Lehi, it talks about... Um, oh, what's his name? King... It starts with a J... It's not Jonathan. It's not Je Jehoiakim. It, it'll come to me as I'm talking about it. All right, so the, this is before the Babylonian captivity. They didn't have the Torah for some reason, and they didn't have... They were trying to clean out the temple, and supposedly one of the high priests in the temple found the, the scroll of... the Torah scroll, and the king... 
whatever his face is, I can't remember, he convened a council and they they added many things to the Torah. So like the 613 laws that are talked about in the Torah, that they, some of them are man-made. You've got to figure out that on your own. I'm not going to figure it out for you. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. But not everything in the in the Torah that we have today was originally given to Moses from the mountain. Hold on. Emmett, I want what she has. <laughs> okay. My son is wearing a T-shirt that says, Built, Not Born. He is an uber nerd. Yeah. Anyway, um... This is going to drive me a little bit nuts. I mean, can't remember what his name was. He was like three kings before the Babylonian captivity happened. I don't know. I'll, I'll, hopefully I'll remember it. If a man lay with a, vir- a virgin woman, he shall not pour her away all the days of his life. This applied to a single married or plurally married man. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 29, and Exodus chapter 22, verse 16. See Jacob with Leah, Genesis 29, 23 through 25. If a man should die, his brother should take her as a wife, even if she, even if he is already married. And that's what I was talking about in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 through 10. If a man takes captive a beautiful woman, he can bring her home to thine house and she can become his wife, even if he has a wife, Deuteronomy 21, verses 10 through 13, and we're on page 94. When men go to war, all the women and children they capture, may, they may keep alive for themselves. Number, numbers 20, I'm sorry, Numbers chapter 31, verses 16, 17 and 18. Emma, I need a drink, too. That's mustard. I can't drink mustard. I don't like mustard on my drinks. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. All right, let's see. Nearly every soldier was a married man. Um, oh, yeah, you had to be a married man in order to go to war. So if you consider that and then you consider these laws where you can take women as your wives then there's plural marriage right so like there's a lot of people that are like oh plural marriage is horrible it's wicked and evil and well I, god apparently didn't think so so and uh jesus apparently didn't think so either because he never spoke out against it even though it was commonly practiced in in his day and age so all right let's Oh, if you want to read a good book um, that kind of covers this a little bit, um, well, there's a bunch of books on Ogden Kraut's website, but Jesus Was Married is a really good book, and it talks about Jesus being married, and it also talks about plural wives and the whole whole thing uh, about all that. So if a woman has intercourse with different men, she was considered an adulteress, and the child born was considered a bastard deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 2 but nowhere was a child born of a woman in plural marriage considered the same chapter uh, point 10 marriage between national leaders was a bond connecting their political peace agreements and their kingdoms new numbers chapter 12 verse 1 
If God did not want his people to live plural marriage, he made a pitiful attempt to stop it. Stop it. If he objected to plural marriage, he never would have instituted such laws as these which encouraged it. People have a tendency to follow the crowd. Whatever, whatever is socially popular with, will draw people to it. For who wants to be different and unpopular? Uh, we see that so much right now with all of these idiot white people bowing down and kissing and licking the feet of the black boots, you know, because of racial oppression. Let me just, that's another thing. I'm going to go off on a little tangent because I'm a little irritated by this. Okay, so Tony Heatsy Coates and others of the Black Lives Matter movement are, are calling all white people racist. Okay, now that, just saying that, means that they're racist against white, white people, right? White people are horrible and evil and whatever. What about all of the people that freed the slaves fr from uh, in the Civil War? Or all those white people uh, racists? You know, did they give their lives for nothing for all of these black people that want to, like, freak out because, like, I have white skin and they're going to call me racist because... Why? Because I've never done anything racist. You know, oh, but you're racist because you're white. It's a, and Ta-Nehisi Coates actually said that uh, it was um, a virus in, in the minds of white people. Okay, were all of those people in the, from the Union in the Civil War, were they all racist too? They, they freed the slaves, but they're racist, right? So they gave their lives for nothing. Because we should have just left y'all as slaves if, if that's the way it's going to be. If I'm going to be racist just because I'm white, then maybe I should just be racist, right? I mean, if I'm going to be accused of being racist, I mean, that, I think that's uh, what people are going to, like, you know, if they're just keep on, keep on being accused of, of being racist. And even these white, like, he, he, uh, what's his face? He said, uh, you know, you're... Uh, the biggest racists are white liberal women who try to say that they're not racist and, and they, they make everything like, you know, like we don't see color. Well, they're the worst, right? And no matter what you do, if, if you, if you, I, I don't know, I, it drives me a little bit nuts. I just was thinking about that this morning. Like all these people that gave their lives in the Civil War that were right, that were white, I guess they're racist too. Right? Because right. we're all racist, right? Okay. Well, you know what? God is the author of the races. What? What is this? How come there isn't more of it? Where's my drink? Thank you. Anyway, it just drives me a little bit nuts. Um, but you know what? God is the biggest racist of them all because he's the one that created the races races right so there's that anyway there are some however who know that it is right and will oppose incorrect customs even though they are very popular brigham young commented on this quote oh what a great sorrow it is to be a saint hold on no turn it off you didn't ask turn it off Go sit down and meditate upon your the error of your ways. 
and take the trash out. <laughs> That's my 14-year-old son. All right, let's see. This is Brigham Young. Oh, what a great sorrow it, has, it is to be a saint. How mournful the thought when we contemplate the contrast between the saint and the sinner. We have ease for pain, comfortable health for sickness, joy for mourning, and light for darkness. This is all very good, says one. But your religion is so unpopular in the world, there is not another religion so, pop so popular as this in the courts of heaven. Without the garb of a saint, you cannot be admitted into the presence of the Father and to Jesus, the, the mediator between God and man. No religion is popular there, but no religion is popular there, but the religion of the Bible. Episcopalianism, more, uh, Methodism, Quakerism, Catholicism, Presbyterianism, and all their collateral, collateral branches are unpopular in the celestial kingdom of God. It's because there's error uh, in all of them. While the religion of Adam, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs, the prophet Jesus, and his apostles is the only acknowledged and popular system of religion with the sanctified ones in the presence of the Father and the Son. But says a Presbyterian, Abraham was a polygamist. He was, and you will say that his religion is popular in heaven. It is the only religion acknowledged there. I have not time now to dwell upon all the points of Abraham's faith. But he did believe in, in a plurality of wives and was, and was a practical polygamist. And Paul says, And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Did Abraham believe in Presbyterianism? Not much. Did he believe in Quakerism? Not much. Each of the different sects of religion has some truth. And so far as they have the truth, so far did Abraham believe. But is the religion of any one of the sects as a whole the religion of heaven? It is not. We, are de we all desire to join the popular party. Light, truth, and intelligence are the side that is popular with the heavens and the side that will rule, govern, and control the nations. If we join that society, we then all become popular with, with the popular party. Journal of Discourses, Volume 9, page 319 and 320. Now let me just say that if you are living your religion and Satan isn't trying to tear you down, then you're not a threat to his kingdom. But if you are living God's religion, you're going to be a threat to his kingdom. He's going to try to tear you down any way he can. That's why you see the early Christians in, uh, in Rome back in, after the days of, of Jesus Christ's uh, you know, resurrection. They were, they were a threat to the devil's kingdom, and they were slaughtered in mass numbers because they were a threat to the devil's kingdom. You see the same thing in the beginning of the Restoration, where Satan sent his little imps in the form of humans to kill and destroy, murder and maim, steal, do anything they could to destroy the gathering of the saints on the earth. 
because they were a threat to his kingdom. But today, you don't see that anymore because we as a people are not a threat to his kingdom because we've capitulated so much with Babylon that, that we're not a threat anymore. And Satan's not going to tear us down and try to destroy us because why? Because we're just building up his kingdom, even though we think we're doing something else. But he's not going to attack us because we're not a threat to his kingdom. Anyway, Jesus made an interesting but controversial statement about those who were in the kingdom when he said, quote, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and from the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew chapter 8, verses 11 through 12. How can many come and be worthy to sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and yet the children of the kingdom be cast out? Maybe it's because they're disobedient. You know how Joseph Smith said in the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith that because of the disobedience of the people, the saints of God, that God would choose another people? Oh, you don't hear that in Sunday school, but it's there. You know, yeah, the whole thing that I push on section 124, if you're not going to do what Jesus says, he says he'll reject you with your church and your dead there it's in other places too the children of the kingdom in uh, Isaiah chapter 49 when God sends his Davidic servant to the people he loses them because they are disobedient and they refuse to accept him and they are cast out and God gives him another people the children of the kingdom are the saints of God upon the earth. And as they are disobedient to God's laws and commandments, they'll be cast out and God will choose another people. Anyway, shouldn't it be the other way around? What did the, uh, the others do that the children of the kingdom failed to do? Maybe the answer can be found in more recent scriptures. Quote, go ye therefore and do the works of Abraham. Enter ye into my law, and ye shall be saved. And if he enters not into my law, and that's the law of um, uh, being filled by the Holy Spirit of promise, and plural, celestial marriage, if you know, if but if he enters not into my law, ye cannot be sa- uh, you cannot receive the promise of my Father, which he made unto Abraham. God commanded Abraham, and Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham for a wife. And why did she do it? Because this was the law. And from Hagar sprang many people. This, therefore, was was fulfilling, among other things, the promise, the promises. That's in Doctrine and Covenants, section 132, verses 32 through uh, 34. And I don't know if I can't remember if he he quotes this, but Jesus actually in the New Testament tells us to uh, do the works of Abraham. What were the works of Abraham? He was obedient to God's commandments, and he took plural wives. What other laws 
what was he talking about? Anyway, thus, if we obey the law, we receive the promises. If we disobey the law, we cannot receive the promises made to Abraham, and we shall be cast out. These were the laws of God. Marriage laws in the days of Abraham were the same as in the days of Moses. They were also the same in the days of Jesus Christ, and they should be the same in the day, days of Bill Clinton or, or Donald J. Trump, whether or not they agree. These laws of morality remain unchangeable and eternal, even though marriage laws of men often change. Marriage laws may vary in Germany, England, Arabia, USA, etc., and even within the same country, they may vary, i.e., or in other words, a marriage law in the United States may be legal in 1846, but change in 1862. However, God's laws remain constant, even though the laws of men are fickle and continually changing. The laws of God's kingdom are the same today as they were 2,000 years ago or even 6,000 years ago. They were the same throughout the universe billions of years ago. And they will be the same for billions of years to come. The kingdom of God and its laws, ordinances, and covenants are constant because God is unchangeable. If he were not, he would cease to be God. So the next chapter that we'll be going over probably tomorrow is chapter 13, and that'll be on page 97. And that chapter, chapter title is The Commandments of the Kingdom. So let me see if we have any guest callers. Once again, the guest call in line is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. I'm going to refresh this real quick. And uh, if we don't, that's fine. All right, so I'm going to just... Yeah, we don't have anybody, and that's fine. So i got to get going to work anyway. So, all right, so that's... Okay, can you hear me? I hear you. Hey, did you take the trash out like I said two years ago? (laughs) No. (laughs) Were you listening to that part? Emmett. What are you doing? Yeah, that was funny. Why was you muted when you were just talking to me? Because I tried to unmute myself on the headset because I didn't know if you could hear me. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, I responded to you. Anyway, so uh, so I told you to take the trash out. At, I guess we were at Neil's house when we recorded that. Our friend Neil in uh, Roosevelt. All right, well, um, so I did this program like this today because Kim couldn't read, and I want her to read this book with me. And uh, and she did get off at 6 p.m., which was about an hour ago, but she hasn't called in because she's got to talk to everybody and all of her friends and go pick up the baby from the babysitter 
and spend half an hour talking to them, and who knows what else she's got to do. But I figured she probably wouldn't be on, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to skip the. Uh, I didn't want her to skip the chapter, so I just was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just do this. Uh, flashback Thursday, because usually we do flashback Friday, but. Anyway, um, um, it's Throwback oh, Thursday. Throwback Thursday. Okay, sure. Sounds good. Anyway, um, so I guess the only thing, I was thinking about this last night. You know, all of these women who choose career paths and don't have children, uh, and they get up into their 40s, and they realize that they're not married, they don't have any children, they are completely alone, and there's nothing they can do about it because when you get into your 40s, you hit menopause, and then you can't have children anymore. Some people can. I have a friend who has uh, a two, two-year-old. He's almost three, and uh, she's like in her 50s. You know, so it's possible, but a lot of these women, they don't. They can't have children after a certain point. And then, like, if they do have children, they increase, there's an increased rate of uh, problems with the pregnancies. You know, because they gave up, they, they gave into this lie uh, that they needed to get jobs and be like men and powerful and blah, 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 whatever. And they gave up their maternal instincts for a lie, and I was thinking about in polygamy, too, and in the church, that the statistics and ratio of men to women in the church is, in 2009 anyway, I don't have updated numbers, but in 2009, it was 127 women for every 100 men, you know, so you've got an over uh, abundance of these women who want to get married in the temple. Um, So they're only looking for men in the church, but there's not enough men to go around. There's a huge, it's it's up to the millions. Like when you get up to the church, there are millions more women in the church than there are men. And they don't get married, and they don't have children, and they are going to be alone. And it's sad. Um, I'm on the wash plant. Can you still hear me? Yeah, you broke up a little bit there, but you, you're fine now. Oh, well, I'm still on wash plant, so. Okay. Wash plant. Ruin in my radio. <laughs> anyway. Um, but, so, like these people that are all butthurt about polygamy. I'm sorry. Like, if you believed in polygamy and you read the verse that you take out of context, you wouldn't take it out of context. But because you already hated polygamy, you'll grab onto the one verse out of all of the other verses that talk about polygamy, and you'll run with that one verse when you take it completely out of context and it doesn't sync up with the other scriptures. You know, and it's just sad. Because the Gentiles hate polygamy, and that's what these people are. They hate polygamy. They're Gentiles. That's all they are. They, they, they should be Israelites, but they're not. 
and um, and they get all butt hurt about polygamy, even though they've never experienced polygamy. You know, and they they will point to uh, bad actors in polygamy and say polygamy is horrible uh, across the board. But then they won't p- point to people like my wife's ex-husband who is in prison right now because of the horrible things that he did to her and to this other individual that he married after he got out of jail. You know, now he's in prison, whatever. But they won't point to, to that guy and say monogamy is horrible and evil and whatever. You know, but one guy... Uh, They'll take the one guy and they'll say, oh, polygamy, oh, how horrible. And it's just stupid. All the while, you've got tons of these single women like my ex-wife. Okay, my ex-wife, she screwed it up for her. She got mad at me uh, because I did my laundry on a Sunday. Like, oh, my gosh, are you serious? I work six days a week. I had, like, two pairs of clothing or maybe one for work, and they were covered in coal dust because I hauled coal back then, even back then, 2006. But I only had one day off, and it was Sunday. And we didn't have a dryer, so my stuff had to dry on a clothesline in the basement. She gets pissed off because I, I did my laundry behind her back on a Sunday. Oh, you know, and she got mad at me, and she wouldn't talk to me. I tried to, like, you know, talk to her and make it up to her or, like, just trying to – but it was just so stupid, you know? And the reason why I divorced her is because she was mad, and she called the cops on me and told them that I hit her. No evidence, nothing just an accusation without any evidence at all, which I did not hit her, so that she could get me kicked out of the house so I would have to leave. And uh, right before I signed the the 24-hour no-contact order, I said, hey, as soon as I say this, I can't tell her, I can't talk to her at all for 24 hours. And uh, they said, yep. And so I walked from the porch back into the house, and both the cops were, like, trying to pull me back. I wasn't going after her. I just wanted to tell her. And I said, listen, you lie on me and you call the cops just because you're mad and you want me kicked out of the house? We're done. We're done. And that was the last, the last of it. And uh, I never went back to her. So... Um, you know, and she she wanted children so bad, and she is still single to this day, 40 years old, 42, I think. Let me think, 80, 42. She'll be 42 this year, October 21st, 1980. Was her birthday. She's still single. No children. Getting up to the point where she's getting to the point where she can't have children. That's all she wanted. But she's part of this group of women that are stuck in the perpetual singles wards, or they go out of the singles wards, you know, and they go join a family ward, but they're still single. You know, and there are plenty of good individuals in the church who could provide her. They could have a family with her, but oh, polygamy is so horrible. 
What's more important? You stay single all your life or you have a husband with a sister wife and your children. Children are extremely important. It's not just about <laughs> sex and marriage or whatever. Emma, why are you coughing in my ear? Sorry. You are sorry so much of the time. Anyway, it's just it's just irritating. Like, you know, I, I see these women, and I was in the single towards for a long time. I was 35 before I got married to Kim. 35? Yeah, holy crap, I was 35. You know, so I see it. I've seen it. And it makes me sick. And all of these people who don't know what it's like to be a single woman, and I don't, but I had a lot of single women friends. Heck, most of the women that I was friends with back then are still single. A lot of them were married before, you know. But there's a lot of women who have never been married. Or they get married to some Gentile husband who's not going to lead in righteousness. You know, raise up children unto the Lord. Which doesn't mean to have a whole bunch of kids. It means to raise them up properly with a husband and a wife. Anyway, so I'm on. I'm done with my rant for today, um, and we don't have any callers, and nobody in the no chat room. The chat. Gonna, yeah. So I don't know why I do these stupid programs anymore. I mean, I. Uh, I don't know. It's just stupid because nobody listens to these things anyway. Everybody just ignores me. Emma, do you get anything from this? I listen. Uh, sometimes I oh. absorb knowledge. I'm pretty good at that usually. Absorb knowledge like a sponge as you're playing your video games on the computer? A little bit. I listen, though. Yeah. Okay, well... I guess we'll be done with the program for today, which is fine with me. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, whoever does. I actually know people do listen now. You know, I do, I do see the statistics. Just don't ever have any callers. You know, and I want this to be a discussion, but anyway, okay. Well, Emmett, go ahead and cue the music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thank you.